Hey there, I'm Pamela Ferdin. I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zimrak. Welcome back to another episode of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zimrak. This is episode 362 of On Screen and Beyond, the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with the guests from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week, we go into the world of voiceovers and also TV shows from the 60s and 70s. Pamela Ferdin is going to be joining us. She was the voice of Lucy and, of course, several other peanut specials and movies. And she was also on many TV shows, including the daughter of Felix Unger on The Odd Couple and Paul Lynn's daughter on The Paul Lynn Show and so many other things. So get ready for that. Pamela is going to be joining us in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. we got a lot of things coming your way, so let's get right into Remake Madness on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness, the remake of Stephen King's It, will have actor Will Poulter playing the role of the clown Pennywise. And no release date on that one yet. And the Canadian sci-fi cult classic Cube is headed for a remake. And mentioning Stephen King, his In the Tall Grass will be remade from a book to a big screen movie. We'll keep you updated on that. And that's it for Remake Madness here on On Screen and Beyond. Coming up next... We're going to find out what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies. Upcoming new movies, you can look for By the Sea with Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt to hit theaters in November as a couple struggles with their relationship. And March 4th, 2016 is the release date for Disney's Zootopia. And this is going to have the voice talents of Jason Bateman starring in it. And Kevin James will star as an assassin in the true memoirs of an international assassin. And there's no release date on that one yet. And that's it for upcoming new movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as sequels? Down at Sequel City, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Sequel City, as far as sequels, it looks like rumors are out that Nicki Minaj will be joining the cast of Barbershop 3. And Cella Ward will play the president in Independence Day 2. Bill Pullman will be in the film, but after 20 years, that's when it's going to be taking place. He's no longer the president. And Keanu Reeves will return in John Wick 2 as he continues to shoot things up. And that's it for Sequel City. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we'll take a peek at what's coming your way as far as... TV on DVD. TV on DVD, August 18th, The Rebel. The complete series, the collector's edition, will arrive in an 11 DVD set starring Nick Adams. And it's going to have all 76 episodes. Also on August 18th, Welcome Back, Cotter. The complete fourth season will be coming our way in a four-disc set. And August 4th, Sergeant Bilko, The Phil Silvers Show, Season 3, lands on DVD. And that's it for TV on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as movies on DVD? <laughs> movies on DVD, July 14th. The second best exotic Marigold Hotel arrives on Blu-ray and DVD, starring Judy Dench and Maggie Smith. And McFarlane, USA, with Kevin Costner, runs into stores on June 2nd. And also on June 2nd, the SpongeBob movie, Sponge Out of Water, swims its way onto Blu-ray and DVD. And that's it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, it's TV and Entertainment Time. TV and Entertainment Time, well, on May 15th, BYU TV's Granite Flats Season 3 will premiere on Netflix. Then in October, you can see it on BYU TV. And on ABC, it looks like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Shark Tank and Castle and Beyond the Shark Tank or Beyond the Tank. Uh, 
have all been renewed, along with many others, for next season. Cancelled from ABC were Revenge, Forever, and Resurrection. And Gallivant is going to be coming back for a second season. Over at CBS, well, it looks like the Big Bang Theory has been renewed for three seasons. And Fox, it looks like Gotham has been renewed. And the following has been canceled. So that's a little update on what's coming your way as far as cancellations and renewals on TV shows. And that's it for TV and entertainment time. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, it's Celebrity Birthdays. We baked you a birthday cake. If you get it to me, And you moan and groan and woe. Don't forget we told you so. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! Celebrity birthdays on May 10th. It looks like Bono is turning 56 years old. And singer Donovan turns 70. May 11th, singer Eric Burden turns 74 years old. On May 12th, Emily Van Camp turns 29. May 13th, Stevie Wonder turns 65. And Stephen Colbert turns 51. May 14th, George Lucas, Star Wars, turns 71, and Robert Zemeckis turns 63. May 15th, Trini Lopez turns 78 years old, and on May 16th, Megan Fox turns 29, and Janet Jackson turns 49. That's it for celebrity birthdays. As far as listener birthdays, May 14th, Sharon P. of Dublin, Ireland turns 52, and let's see here. We got another one here. I got to try to read this. Jimmy R., of uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado, turns 35 on May 14th also. That's it for listener birthdays. If you have a birthday coming up or a friend or a relative, send it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. Everybody here listening to On Screen or Beyond will wish you a happy birthday. So happy birthday to all the people who were listed this week, and uh, we'll have more next week right here on On Screen and Beyond. And... It's time now. Pamela Furden is going to be joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. She was the voice of Lucy in a couple of uh, peanut specials and in the movie. And also, she was uh, in so many TV shows back in the 70s, 60s, and 70s. And uh, she's got a lot to talk about. It's coming up next, right here, Pamela Furden on On Screen and Beyond. Today on On Screen and Beyond, my guest is an actress who was the voice of Lucy on two Peanut specials and in the film A Boy Named Charlie Brown. She has played many other roles throughout the years, but most notably as Felix Unger's daughter on The Odd Couple, Paul Lynn's daughter on The Paul Lynn Show, and a memorable role on Star Trek. It's Pamela Ferdin. Pamela, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Oh, thank you for having me, Brian. Now, Pamela, you've done so many fun things. I mean, being the voice of Lucy, we actually had the guy who did the voice of Charlie Brown. I can't remember if he was doing it when you did it, but we had him on a while ago. Peter Robbins. Yes, Peter. <laughs> Peter, Peter Robbins. Robbins was, was Charlie Brown. I forgot who did the voice of Linus, but yes, it was it was one of the most memorable memorable things I've ever done, and I've done a lot. And that was that was great. We would be in the a sound studio all together. So Linus was on one side and Charlie Brown was on the other. And um, it was just, it was great fun because the director was so much fun. He made it fun. And then he, I found out that he did the voice of, of um, Snoopy. And so I always said, how do you do the voice of Snoopy? And he says, it's a deep, dark secret I cannot tell you. <laughs> okay. So I still don't know how, the, how now he made Snoopy's voice. Huh. So now you, you, the three of you actually got together? Because I know a lot of times they'll record and it'll be one person at a time. But uh, So you actually did like a, a little uh, ensemble right off? So you uh, Yeah, interacted? and I think that's what, um, especially for kids, um, I, I think that's the best way to do it because, you know, it's hard for a young person to um, to relate 
to uh, another individual if um, if they're not together. So mm-hmm. it was fun. So we were all together, Peppermint Patty, the the voice of Peppermint Patty, and it was just it was it was a lot of fun. And I'm sitting here and I'm listening to your voice. You still sound like you could do the kids' voices. <laughs> I know. That's why. That's why I think I should get back. You definitely voice. should. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. I mean. And that's why my voice stayed the same, Charles Schultz. He said, Pam, I, I can't, I, 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 I would normally get a new Lucy right now because you're over the age that we, that we usually um, find new child actors to mm-hmm. do the voices. But he said, your, your voice is staying the same, so we, we might as well use you for the voice of Lucy because I think, I don't know what the cutoff age was, but there was a certain cutoff age where they they thought that and they were it was true that the kids voices were changing especially the boys mm-hmm, yeah. so um i i got to at least be in the the film and and the two specials i did because i even though i was older than the other kids my voice still sounded the same yeah did you try to change your voice at all to to make that voice or you know, I I really just thought about the characters and how the characters would be played. I really can't do all the great um, great voices like a lot of these really talented voiceover artists do. They can they can sound like they're old. They can sound like they're young. They can do they can do um, different dialects and languages. And I never could. I just. I just would look at the character, and uh, I would just play the character as if, as if it was me. Yeah. And so I really didn't learn how to change my voice. <laughs> That's <stuck> amazing. It. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was great. That's the thing. It, it turned out great. Yeah. But I'll tell you, I, I worked constantly. So I started, my mom put me in the business at age four. Wow. And... I I just my career just took off and um and I just did so many things and commercials so uh, they say I was the most ubiquitous uh child actor in the late 60s and 70s and I think they're right <laughs> You're on the monkeys too, right? I know, but but the scene was cut. Can you believe it? Oh, really? Yes, somebody told me because I remember the monkeys. I remember standing there and, and licking my lollipop in this cute little outfit and looking out over the sea. It was supposed to be the sea. It was a back lot, but right. it was supposed to be the <laughs> sea. And all the monkeys were there, and I don't know why they um, they cut it. Huh. Now, were you a fan of the monkeys? Yeah, yeah. I liked the monkey show. But, you know, I don't, I don't think I... I don't think I knew them. I was so young. I can't remember if I knew them when I did the um, the shot where I did the scene, or if I didn't. If that's where I got to know them, and then I started watching them. But you know, it's so it's so funny because I've done so much, and I did so much when I was little, really little, mm-hmm. that I've forgotten some I'm of sure. the things I've done. And fans say, "Hey, you were great in such and such," and I'm like, "I don't remember if I was in that." <laughs> and then I find out I'm in it. I was in it. <laughs> now you were. I, I'm of course I'm I'm cheating here. I have a list of of uh, shows that you've been in, but uh, you were in the movie The Reluctant Astronaut with Don Knotts. Yes, I had a cute little scene. One little scene, but it was really cute in The Reluctant Astronaut. I Right before he was going to take off, I went up to him and I said something like, may I please go to the bathroom? <laughs> something like that. Okay, I remember that, yes. <laughs> and so um, it was a little scene, but it was very memorable because a lot of people remember me from that. Well, the thing is, I can remember your face popping up on, uh, it seems like, every TV show. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I did a lot of them. I I really did did an incredible amount of work when I was a when I was a child and a young teen. Yeah, and and like I mentioned in the introduction, you were in Star Trek. Yeah. And that I mean, I can I can still see William Shatner holding you. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that was that was me and and William Shatner, and he he was so nice to me because he was the first crush I ever had. Oh, really? <laughs> and I just would follow him around. I know I must have been pestering the heck out of him, but I was just so curious. I wanted to know where his where his um, trailer was because you know all the actors had these nice trailers outside of the um, stages. Mm-hmm. And they would be there in between scenes and when they were lighting scenes and things like that. And uh, I followed him out there. And so he, he, he played along with me, which was very nice of him, uh, thinking about it in retrospect, because he asked me to marry him. And he got me a little <laughs> cigar band for my finger, for the ring. And then he had me pick out the date that we were, that we should get married. And I said, I want to get married the day after school ends for the summer. I remember that. <laughs> So so it was fun and plus we were I was with uh, other kids. Mhm. Yep. And that that made it fun. Yeah. But, you know, it's uh, it's still hard. it was hard work for me. I mean, people may think that that you know, it just came naturally, but it didn't. I I had to rehearse and learn and and it really didn't come naturally to me when I was 4. I I mean, I was never the, uh, a child who begged his his um, or her mother to put them in in movies. I never did that. I, I didn't even think of that. And she put me in the business, and I just I think that's how my personality kind of unfolded was being uh, doing those things. And, and it was hard for a little kid to go into a casting room without their moms at four or five and have to answer. Um, interview questions from the casting directors it it took it took a lot of um courage i yes i was i was kind of shy back then and so i think it took a lot of bravery when i was that age to do it i know it did but after that after i got over that fearful part about being separated from my mom and 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 there's all this stuff which i never saw before the stages and the lights and the camera and i didn't understand anything and i couldn't read and so my mom had to my mom had to say the line for me and i memorized all the lines in a script so i i i worked hard and then and then it started coming more naturally after that yeah, I mean, that's incredible. Like you say, at four years old, you couldn't read it, so somebody had to tell you how to do it. You know, we go to a fast food restaurant, and anybody who's with me says, I want to order this, and, and you know, I get up to the, the to the drive-thru, and, and I say, okay, what is it you wanted again? <laughs> because I can't yeah, well, remember that. I'm how? doing that now, too. I think that's the aging process. <laughs> well, that's true. I don't like at all. <laughs> but I that... do not like getting older, because my memory, uh, you're absolutely right, my memory at four, five, Six, when my mom would rehearse a scene with me, um, and you're right, I couldn't read a thing. And so my mom would rehearse the scene. She'd tell me my lines, and I would go in. I would do a, a, a whole scene on the interview uh, just from memory. Wow. That is <laughs> – that, that just amazes that me. memory now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, on roles such as your role on The Odd Couple or The Paul Lynn Show, how did you get those? Were those were they looking for you, or did you just go to a cattle call, or how did those come out? Well, you know, on The Odd Couple, it was interesting because I interviewed for a, a, a show, the, an, an episode of The Odd Couple, but I wasn't his daughter. And it was something like Kelly's Lost at the Lake. I wish I could remember the name. Something about a little girl being lost uh, at the lake because I I guess the premise was Tony Randall um, was a a little like a Girl Scout troop leader. Mm -hmm. And so he was so excited to to take these kids to wherever wherever, wherever he supposedly took us. And they liked me so much in that show, in that so they asked me then to be his daughter. And I always thought that was that was kind of interesting because I wasn't his daughter in the first episode I did on The Odd Couple. Wow. Huh. So that was definitely a request after they after I I finished that episode, they they definitely wanted a daughter for Tony Randall. Hmm. I mean, just to work with with Tony Randall and Jack Klugman Paul Lynn. Did you realize what amazing actors they were? You know, unfortunately, I really, I was so young, and I, I worked 
so much that I really didn't get to watch a lot of television, even though I was on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just didn't have the time, and um, I, I really didn't. There were there were a few that I that I knew were big, really big names because my mother told me, like when I worked with Gene Kelly, she said, "Oh my God, wow. he's a famous film star," and and so you know that's how I, I learned about Gene Kelly and um, Bing Crosby. I was on the Bing Crosby show, and and um, but I'll tell you the the first time, and, and I couldn't believe that she said it to me, was I was working on uh, at a studio, and I forgot which one, but anyway, I was working at one of the studios, and I walked over to another soundstage to watch them filming the Lucille Ball show. Wow. And she came up to me. This was obviously not the early one with Ricky Ricardo. Right. This is the one where she um, was older and uh, single. Mm-hmm. But she, I was just watching, and she came up to me, and she said, oh, I think, are you the, the little girl that played the part of so-and-so on Marcus Welby? And I said, yes. And she said, you are just excellent. That was just such an excellent job. And so I went back, and I told my mother, Luce, I met Lucille Ball. And I wish I, w- I wish I had talked to her longer because I'm, I was just so stunned. I didn't know. That was one time when I really didn't know what to say. I was kind of wow. caught off guard. Mm-hmm. Here you are standing, and she's telling you how, how, what a great performance you gave. Jeez. And I was just, oh, my gosh, because I, <laughs> I did watch the uh, Lucy and Ricky show. Mm-hmm. I love Lucy. Yep. So I didn't know she was a big star. But a lot of these others, like Clint Eastwood, I, I had never seen his spaghetti westerns and, right. and famous people. I I was directed uh, by Steven Spielberg, but this was before actually, so I wouldn't have known. I, right. Nobody knew that he was going to be big then. But um, yeah. but I didn't know Clint Eastwood. I mean, I knew he was he was in this movie and he was starring in it. And mm-hmm. but I but that's about it. So so I really didn't know a lot of them. Hmm. Yeah, geez. I mean, now of all the shows that you were on, uh, either just as a guest appearance or as uh, a, a, as a regular, are there any that are most memorable to you, or you were most excited about being on? Um, I think the most memorable are the ones that people remember because when I do conventions or when they send me fan mail, they mention the same shows over and over again. And mm-hmm. it's mostly Lucy from Peanuts, uh, uh, The Odd Couple, Star Trek, of course. Um, and so I rem- I, I've, re- I've looked back on my career, and so I've kind of been able to see myself in those roles. But there are so many other roles I played that nobody ever asked me about, but they were really, really great roles. Uh, I mean, look at The Beguiled, for instance. Yes. Nobody asked me about The Beguiled because it was such a flop, but it was a great movie. And and I think it, it, didn't, it didn't do well at the box office because people couldn't couldn't visualize him maybe as as somebody who gets killed at the end mm-hmm. who's murdered and and isn't the cowboy running off or the or the leading man who who saves saves the day right so i don't know why i really don't because he he claims uh that that was one of his, the best acting roles he's ever done wow huh that's interesting yeah, yeah. so one of the other shows that you were in was Blondie. Now, wasn't was Peter Robbins? In yes, that? the same Peter Robbins was the voice of of uh, Charlie Brown. Yes, Peter Robbins. And I don't know how that worked. It just was happenstance. Seriously, it was happenstance that that we had worked together. Um, so we worked together twice um, on on peanut specials and the movie and then on blondie Hmm. so i you know i was so young i didn't even know about the comic strip i really didn't yeah yeah i i just i just you know rehearsed the script with my mom and she explained that i was a sweet little girl named cookie and (laughs) i loved playing sweet little girls because i really was sweet (laughs) i was never one of these child actors and believe me i've i've worked with them um i've i have in the past i've worked with uh child actors and i'm not going to name any names but a lot of them were um conceited and and they really did have Mm -hmm. have an ego and i think it's because 
their parents were stroking their ego, whereas my my parents were very critical. My mom was an incredibly critical um, woman who knew what she wanted from a scene. I always tell her that she should have been the actress because she knew what, what she wanted from the scene, and we would rehearse it over and over again, over and over again, <laughs> until I got, I got it right in, in, you know, in her view. And that was when I was pretty young, um, growing up, maybe five, four or five years old, to at least 12 or really 16. So, so it, was, it was interesting. <laughs> I, I have, it, was, it was just hard work. Yeah. I really, I really worked hard at what I did. I it wasn't just easy peasy as a lot of people think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, would you suggest for children to go in that direction to, or parents to to guide their children to that direction now after after all the years that you've been, you know, you were doing it? You know, I I believe that a child shouldn't be forced to do anything um, when they're little and they're scared. And it worked out, luckily, knock wood, I think it worked out pretty good in my case because I turned out fairly normal. <laughs> but, but I would say that if the child says to their mom or dad, I want to be an actor, I want to be in the movies, then then that's something that they want. Mm-hmm. But I never mentioned anything to my mom. She was the one that wanted me in the movies and television, and she got me in. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the rest of the story. Yeah. Do you remember your very first role? You know, I think it was a commercial for Breck hair products. Oh, yes, I remember that. Remember? I mean, I don't, I don't remember, you know, you being in that commercial, but I remember Breck commercials, yes. <laughs> and uh, it was this, this beautiful woman with blonde hair, because that was the thing, and all her three daughters with beautiful blonde hair. And I was so little, I didn't understand anything. I didn't really know. I didn't know what a sound stage was. I didn't know anything. So I remember walking out. We were supposed to come in the front door, which obviously was a set in a sound stage. So we, there was nothing behind the door, but we were supposed to open the door and rush to, to our mom. And I thought it was real. I must have, because I walked out the door, and I kept on walking, thinking there was a walkway like normal people have in their <laughs> homes, and I fell right off that Because oh, I didn't know. It just ended. There was just a door and then a sound stage beyond that. So I think that, that was my, one of my first roles. And also I did a role for the telephone, if you can believe it. And I don't know what what it was exactly, but it was teaching people or teaching kids rather how to use the telephone Hmm. and i was so young and i i I remember i was i I don't remember much but when i look back at my publicity pictures when i'm going to a convention and i'm deciding which pictures i want to bring and i look back and i was teeny tiny (laughs) (laughs) but it, it was you know it was i think my personality developed from in, instead of instead of developing a personality and then going into the business i i develop my personality by being in the business i think mm-hmm. yeah wow now yeah like i say i'm cheating because i'm looking at the different uh, your uh, credits here and uh like i said you would you've been in so many different shows but i'm looking at one that brings back a memory to me personally uh, and I believe I remember the show. It was called The Littlest Hobo. It's and it says oh, now yes. was that was the one about the dog? Too. Was that about that the was dog? One of my first roles. Really? Yeah. Was that about the the, the German Shepherd or something? Yes, it was a Canadian version of Lassie. Ah, okay. I thought and I remember I, that. I did a, a a long. I was in it uh, the whole show because the premise was my parents were driving at night a station wagon, and I was in the back playing with my dolls or playing with my teddy bear actually, and um, I I was throwing my teddy bear around and he he somehow ended up falling out of the back of the station wagon and they took off when the train went by and they didn't realize that they had left me behind so it was obviously it was about my being being saved by this 
by this wonderful German shepherd, mm-hmm. um, and he brought me to a camp where there were two men and um, big lumberjacks, and they were the ones that got me back to my parents. <laughs> so <laughs> I was I was little little in that, and I'll tell you, it was it, it was a good experience. But what tainted that experience, and it always will, which is unfortunate, was when that aired, the, apparently the company that made that teddy bear tried to sue uh, the Littlest Hobo production company for using their bear without their permission. And it wasn't even their bear. It was my bear. It was really the one I had. And I loved that bear. They just happened to, when I was on the interview, they saw me carrying this bear and hugging it. And they just said, hey, use your bear. And it was so sad because my mom and dad had to send the bear back to Canada. And I was crying. And I put him on the train (laughs) in the train station. They were supposed to mail it back to me after the lawsuit ended. And I never got him back. Oh, geez. It's very sad. Like you mentioned earlier, Beguiled with Clint Eastwood. Now, in that film, you go against Clint Eastwood after he kills your turtle. Right. And then also, and now that was about uh, 1970, 71, somewhere around there. Then in 73, you played uh, Fern in Charlotte's Web, and she was working to save Wilbur the pig. Now, right. is that sort of like a an indication of how a lifelong thing pursued for you, uh, you know, with your helping animals? It is interesting, it, it, and I don't I don't think it was a coincidence because I I loved animals and I worked with so many, and I just I just loved them. They were great and they were wonderful actors. And looking back on it now, I think. It was kind of sad because they had to be under the lights and and they had to be perfect. What their trainers thought is perfect, and and I I hate to think of how they train them, but um, but I just I I was around them in so many different shows. I did. There was usually an animal somewhere, a dog, a horse, <laughs> something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And I must say, I did. I I I picked out poisonous mushrooms that were were made were cooked specifically for Clint Eastwood, because he did kill my turtle. And and he killed, um, I'm, I'm sorry, he didn't kill, yeah, he just killed my turtle. And there was a scene that was cut out. And uh, that scene was my taking care of a crow and apologizing to the crow because the crow had a broken wing. And I said that I was going to have to keep him, chain, uh, you know, with a little, with a little, um, chain uh so he wouldn't fly away until his his wing was fixed Mm -hmm. so they i thought that was a great scene because it again it shows my love of animals and my concern for animals and i think that was a good that was a good a good showing of how this little girl felt so close and loved animals so much that it made her that upset (laughs) right yeah with those two roles do you think that that sort of sets you in your your life's pursuit of uh, animal activism? Well, I've always, since I can remember, I have always felt sorry for the underdog, the one without a voice, Mm -hmm. the the human animals and the non-human animals without a voice. And I always thought that that animals, they don't speak our language, or, or rather we don't speak theirs, and so they can't protest on their behalf, they can't they can't plead to not kill them on their behalf and they they're sentient beings and they have uh, they have feelings and they can feel pain they have a central nervous system so mm-hmm. i think it was part of that i i always you know i just always felt sorry for the underdog hmm. yeah now do you have animals do you have pets oh yes i rescue them from these high kill shelters which shouldn't even be called shelters but they're city shelters and they kill so many wonderful dogs because 
people aren't going to the shelter to adopt them and mm. people aren't spaying and neutering and so they end up on the on the kill floor and it, it, that's what they call it it's just it's so depressing to think about so i would go in and rescue the ones that were very close to being killed mm-hmm. and um i would bring them home foster them and find them find them good and safe homes so I, I, we've definitely had dogs through our our life through our through my adult life yeah. But in in uh, Charlotte's Web, I I saved um, Wilbur. Like yes. You were saying. Yeah. I was saved the runt because I said to my father, I said, if I was a runt, would you kill me? And so he <laughs> gave in. Mm-hmm. And then on Lassie, I did the last. I think it was the last two years that it was on CBS. Lassie. Yeah. When it didn't. When it wasn't in syndication. Yeah. And um, there was a scene where I was supposed to um, kiss this this wolf who was my pet and who was dying. And so they tranquilized this poor wolf. When I look back on it now, I think, oh, my gosh. But anyway, they tranquilized the wolf so that I could hold him in my arms and keep petting him and crying. And they said, you know, he's tranquilized. They said, Pam, be careful, don't bend down, don't do any sudden uh, sudden motions because you don't know what a tranquilized wolf will do. Wow. Um, but I was so involved in the scene, and I felt so sorry. I felt like it was really true, and I just I cried, and I just naturally bent down to kiss this wolf. And everybody told me that they held their breath. And the director almost said cut before, while I was going down, when I was bending down to kiss him. But he just let the camera roll, and he said, oh, I'm so glad I did because they caught that. And the wolf just just, just licked my tears away and didn't wow. do a thing. He was just so sweet. But I'm surprised they would allow you to do that or, you know, allow it to happen because, I mean, what? I mean that thing could have probably taken half your face off. Well, you know, in those days, they didn't have a lot of the regulations about safety with kids. Because when I was doing Daughter of the Mind, which I loved, Daughter of the Mind was a great movie of the week. Mm -hmm. And I was about probably 10, and I was supposed to be... um, I was supposed to have been hit by a car, and I come back as a ghost. And so there's supposed to be a scene where my dad is recollecting my standing there in the middle of the street and the car going through me mm-hmm. because I was supposed to be a ghost. Right, and yeah. so they had this car and a special driver drive this car really fast up to me and then stop right in front of me. He had to stop right in front of me, and then, of course, the, then he had to get behind me. And mm-hmm. in, I can't believe that, that, they, that they let me do that, but they yeah. did, and I didn't know any different. Wow. I really didn't. I wasn't, I wasn't even afraid seeing this car speeding towards me and then stopping on a dime with my hands held out. I was holding my hands, Daddy, Daddy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> so... Wow. Anyway. That's, I, I, I'm, it just blows me away that they would, you know, even think to do that. <laughs> I mean, wow, because, you know, you could have been hurt. Well, I believe that animals know when you love them, and I loved that wolf so right. much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was very gentle, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Boy, that's, <laughs> that's an amazing story. Jeez. So, so uh, have you always been a vegan? Oh no, I was I was uh, uh, eating animal flesh and drinking the secretions of cows um, for a long, long time, and I didn't become vegan until I started learning about the cruelty inherent in the in the the horrible factory farming and the poor cows being made to give birth continuously in order to give milk and their little baby calves being taken away from them, the milk that they were supposed to get, they're taken away sometimes with their little umbilical cord still on, and they're taken away. The boys are sent to a veal farm, and they're kept on these chains to make veal. And the mother, uh, it was just awful. I saw this one time uh, at at a farm, and that mother was just so upset 
it, it was like screeching. It was making a sound that I've never heard a cow make before. Mm-hmm. So by learning all these things and, and how animals could suffer, I, um, I became a vegan. But no, in fact, I, believe me, I was no vegan when I was little. In fact, <laughs> they would cater they would cater these movies and television shows. They would have a catering truck, and I'm not kidding you, that catering truck, <laughs> they would make the most amazing meals, and there would always be food there, and uh, I don't know how I didn't get fat. I mean, there was always a big, every soundstage had a big thing of bagels and donuts and for the actors. Mm-hmm. So um, that was interesting because... Uh, most most kids uh, don't have any of these experiences, and and I think I felt I, I just felt it was a job to me. I mean, I I did it. I rehearsed. I I found my mark, and I was good, and I worked hard at it. But I didn't realize that I was different from other kids. And so when they would make fun of me because my parents kept me in uh, public school. And so I would go back and forth in and out of this public school, and the kids, I, I guess, didn't know how to, how to talk to me or didn't feel right or were jealous or something because they wouldn't befriend me at all. And so I have really sad memories of, of elementary school and, and junior high. I got, a lot of, um, I got a lot of bad memories because those kids were so mean to me. And wow. then I, you know, now I look back and I say, well, they must have been jealous or they mm-hmm. didn't know yeah. how to react to me. Mm-hmm. But um, but anyway, I mean, that's that's how I went to school. You know, when you're on the set, you have what was called a welfare worker. And I don't know if they're still called that, but they were, uh, they were supposed to look after the kids yep. um, and uh, teach them teach them lessons. And so... The problem with that was that legally they made a law that they they have to give children at least 20 minutes. 20 minutes was the minimum. When they sent them back to back to their trailer, which we usually had school in, in a trailer, mm-hmm. they would send me back and they would have to wait. And even if they were ready to shoot the scene, they would have to wait that 20 minutes. And I, it was really hard to, to concentrate because the assistant director was outside the trailer knocking and the welfare worker would say, up, oh, she has three more minutes, <laughs> she has three more, you know, and, and it was just, it was very difficult to learn that way. And, and just feeling the pressure that I knew that everybody was ready to make the shot. And I was sitting there having to do schoolwork. I think, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know a lot of what, people know because I, I didn't go to school, but I know a lot that people don't know because of my experiences. Mm-hmm. So uh, like, for instance, I don't hold my pen correctly. I don't hold a pencil right because I was never taught to hold a pen or a pencil. Mm-hmm. I guess I, I must have skipped that part. I was working <laughs> so much. And so little things like that, huh. you don't, you don't, you don't get a, a, a really high quality education, obviously under those circumstances where you go back and forth to a trailer mm-hmm. and you're, you're taught in 20 minute increments. Right. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So are you still involved with animal rights now? Oh yeah. I, I, uh, people that go to my website, they, um, they get information when I send autographed pictures they, I put in all this information for them, and all the money for the uh, photographs and the autograph goes to helping animals rescued from from these shelters. So I'm I'm still doing that, but I'm also I'm also thinking about uh, getting back into doing voiceovers because I I really I enjoyed them so much and I really look back with fond memories, especially Charlotte's Web because. In those days, everybody was in the same room, everybody that was recording. Mm -hmm. So we had, if you can imagine, we had a long line of probably 10 microphones in the same stage, in the same sound booth. It was big. It was a huge sound booth. And Debbie Reynolds was there, Henry Gibson, Agnes Moorhead, Paul Lind, and me... And, a, and other people playing the different characters. And I think, wow, they, they don't do that anymore. They right. have you in, in, in the sound stage for your 
by yourself mm-hmm. now. Yep. And so I think that was really, I, I, I really was, I, I was in acting at the end of an era. It was the end of the studio being the most important thing in the studio system. And there were only three channels of television right. you could watch, yep. <laughs> ABC, NBC, and CBS, and maybe the public public channel. Right, yeah. But um, that was about it, and I think that's why people grew up with me, because they only had three channels to watch, and I was on most of all of them. Right, yeah, I turned the channel, oh, there she is again. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I really do think that that was one of the reasons why I'm so recognized, but, um, but it really was the end of the studio system, which was sad because everything, all the interviews that I went out on, all the films, and they were at the studio. So you would go in to this huge studio, like Universal Studios, and there would be sound stages, and they would actually have the offices where you were interviewed uh, on the studio property. And then once they started doing these indie films, they started having interviews in in apartments and in office buildings that had nothing to do with the studio mm-hmm. yeah. and that whole that whole era of the of the superstars like like Gene Kelly and Bing Crosby and mm, and, yeah. and those type of people it was it was really it was great to be in the business at that time i'm not sure i would want to be in the business now it's just it's changed so much. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Well, Pamela, I'd, I'd like to finish up with two final questions. And when you sit down and relax, what do you watch on TV now? And what's your favorite TV shows now and of the past? And what's your favorite movies now and of the past? Boy, that's an interesting question. <laughs> I guess I don't watch a lot of uh, regular television. Mm-hmm. Um, I watch Netflix and things like that. So I think my favorite show, one of them, is House of Cards mm-hmm, because yeah. I just love Kevin Spacey so much, and it's he, the acting in that is so superb. I, I must say, I really go, I, I really go for the acting. I know when they're being artificial and when they're really good actors, and I can just tell these little tiny nuances. They have to be really natural and i i just i'm in awe of some of these actors that are true actors that aren't just pretty faces or whatever that that have these little nuances that i as an as a previous actress i could just tell because that's how that's how you you get that naturalness there are these little i i can't even put it into words but i i know what it is and i know what it is when i see it and um so I really don't like a lot of the shows that that are that are on because I don't think that the acting in it rises to uh, an actor like Kevin Spacey and mm-hmm. and that type of thing. I think they're just wonderful. It's it's so it's so interesting for me to watch actors, really good actors, because I keep thinking, oh, that must have been so hard because I would put myself in their place and and oh, I it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. Now, what about movies? What's your favorite movies of the past and now? Well, I think Funny Girl was one of my favorite movies. Yeah, that's a classic. And all the musicals. I grew up on musicals, thank goodness. Camelot and, um, uh, of course, The Sound of Music. You know, it's interesting. That brings up an interesting subject, The Sound of Music. I went out for the little girl in The Sound of Music, The Littlest Girl. Really? And the reason that I didn't get chosen was because there was a law that when you're under five years old, you couldn't you couldn't work in front of the cameras for more than two hours. Ah. So they obviously needed the, the girl to, to stay in front of the camera, be in front of the camera for longer than two hours a day. Mm-hmm. I mean, two hours a day, because, you know, kids kids under five, they get tired and they get stressed, and right. I could understand that law, but my I remember my mother was so mad because she said that only if I had been five, if she would have known that I was supposed <laughs> to be five, she would have made me five. But, you know, I didn't know when I went in there. They said, how old are you? And I said, four and a half. And <laughs> that's <Jeez>. about it. <laughs> So I thought that was really interesting because 
age really does. Uh, that's why they have um, actually. That's why they have older actors over 18 doing under 18 roles because when you're under 18, you can only work for a certain amount of time ah, during a day. And when you're over 18, it all changes. So they always try now to, and back then as well, to get over 18s that look 15. Hmm. Yeah. So, Jeez. yep, that's some of the, that's some of the industry industries uh workings i guess yeah, yeah and there weren't there weren't that many laws for for kids back then and um i'm sure there are a lot more now obviously but that's why again that's why i really i look back and i i i'm happy that that i my career was at least when like i previous said there was a studio system i i mean it was so much fun to go to the cafeteria because all the movie stars that that made films were making films on the lot and universal was great i saw so many celebrities in that commissary but they were these big commissaries that all the actors that worked at the studio would go to and you would see so many so many incredibly famous people and so that was fun i didn't know that they were that famous right. my mom would point them out and she'd say oh look at that that's that's gene kelly over there and he's a big star he's a singer and dancer and so i would look and i would go up to him and ask him questions i'm sure they didn't <laughs> like that in the middle of their meal but but anyway, uh, now they don't they don't have anything like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're all in their trailers and they're all ordering food out and you you don't have these big studio cafeterias like they did at Universal and 20th Century Fox. Mm-hmm. And they were all built obviously in the 1930s and 40s when there was a really strong studio system. And so it kind of harkens back when I look back on it. It definitely harkens back to a, an age that's gone, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Well, Pamela, this has been fascinating, and I, and I want to thank you so much for taking the time and sharing with us. Oh, no problem. I, I had a good time reminiscing. <laughs> I, I do have a good time reminiscing. So, so I've enjoyed this very much, Brian. It was a lot of fun to talk about to talk about my past and look back on my career, which normally I don't really do. So this made me think about a lot of the things I've, I did and, and how I felt doing them. And so thank you. And, of course, I want to thank Pamela Ferdin for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. A lot of great stories she gave us. And, if uh, you know, you see her and you just know you saw her in so many shows back then. And uh, she was the voice of Lucy. You could probably hear it while the interview, you know, the, hearing her voice and everything. And uh, just so, so much fun to hear the story she had to tell. We appreciate it very much that she took the time to talk to us here at On Screen and Beyond. And let's see, we got a lot of things coming your way in the next couple of weeks. And uh, this next episode coming up uh, for next week is going to be a couple of days early, I believe, because I'll be gone on the weekend. So it's going to be coming out a little early, I believe. And uh, maybe it it might be later, but I believe I'm going to do it earlier. So uh, be ready for that one. And of course, if you have a suggestion, you can send it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. And I will read it and see what I can do about getting that person on. Also, if you just want to chat, send it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. I read every single email that comes through. So I want to thank all the people all over the world who have sent me emails and uh, have chatted with me and appreciate it very much. Well, that's it. Next week, we got another exciting guest coming our way. And that's a wrap for this week. So until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond... I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care.